Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you love drag queens, pop culture, and everything famous? Well, I got a podcast for you. It is called Famous This Week, and it's hosted by Canada's Drag Race Season 1 winner, Priyanka. And every week in this pop culture podcast, she breaks down everything trending in the entertainment world, the drag world, and everything in between. And on top of that, she loves you guys, the fans. So what she does each week is she opens up her voicemail box, listens to your voicemails, answers your questions, and hey, who knows? She may even call you. Also, I produced the podcast, which is extremely exciting, so you should check it out. Every Thursday, it is from Forever Dog and Moguls of Media Network, and you get to hear all of that juicy gossip straight from Priyanka herself. It is available everywhere you listen to your podcast and available right now, so check it out. Search for it on your podcast app, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Once again, that's Famous This Week with Priyanka every Thursday. Check it out. Expose yourself. Show them what you're all about. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to Exposed Dragged Out. I'm Joseph Shepard, and every week we dive into the lives of some individuals who may have went home a little bit too early on a RuPaul's Drag Race franchise. It's about time that we forget the black and white, and we're going to get into the gray area as I absolutely have the pleasure of chatting with the one and only Max. How's it going? Hello. It's going very well in the gray area, the vast gray area up here in this. Yeah, it's it's going well. And it's wonderful to talk to you, talk to somebody. It's been a minute since I've spoken at all. So, hello. Yeah, and you, the, the crazy thing was, is that, do you know how crazy your fans are? Do you know? Well, it's, <laughs> if there any fraction of as crazy as I am, then I think that they're pretty solidly emotionally invested in things, in people, in art, in beauty. So I definitely get them and, and see them. And thank you for uh, reaching out to me on their behalf. Yeah. I reached out and then you're like, yeah, sure. And then I put it up on my socials. I was like, do you have any questions for Max? And literally it was the most I've ever had. I have never, like it was 400 comments, over 3000 likes. Like these people are like, 
Your fans love you. And they're like, they really just want to know, like, how are you doing and how is everything going? Right now you're at an addicts. Yeah, right now I am good. I'm very good. There's been, it's been an interesting, I mean, I've been going through my 20s and I've been going through the times of the world with everybody else. And I've been going through some goal questioning and there's a lot that's been happening these last years, but I have had, I mean, it's, I've been, really grateful to have the energy and the support all along these people, this undercurrent of people who have these questions, who still are thinking about my heart, my energy. It's real cool. You included. So thank you for reaching out. Of course. So let's get into your life. So you were raised in Wisconsin. So I want to know what were you like when you were growing up? What were you like as a child? Uh, I was kind of shifty. (laughs) <laughs> I was shifty and I was gay because I don't know if I was shifty because I was gay or what it was, but I was soft and I was curious and I was a little naughty and I was a little showy and I have four siblings. So we all just bounced off each other and I've had a really awesome mom and dad support system in terms of being able to learn and grow and evolve past what they've thought they knew and what we think we know about each other. And it's been awesome, especially the last few years, actually, because everything in the outside world is going so mad that the inside world, the familial world has gotten a hold of itself really well. So it's been a fun, I've had a good family life for sure, but the outside world has spooked me a little bit, definitely. Yeah, the outside world is, it's a hellfire right now. People are brave. People are brave to still be diving headfirst into it. And I've definitely been working on my bravery, my personal bravery. Because I did think for a while, like, what? There's a lot of just, like, noise making with this stuff. There's a lot of just, like, flash, but no substance. But the flash, in a lot of cases, is the substance, is the protest. Just to exist, to do drag, is the strong language and the strong action. So there's a lot that I can still do. Your drag seems very inspired by like 50s and 60s and Hollywood glamour. Were you exposed to that as a child? I just had a lot of like friends and family members and neighbors who had appreciation for cultural, for little touchstones of their own childhood or cultural moments, uh, Hollywood moments. And they encouraged looking into those, reading up on those, being interested in different genres of music. And like we listened to a lot of different like Patsy Cline and Sleepy the Beef and Johnny Cash and things. And then watched a lot of good, solid old movies. I don't know. There's just been a, I've had a good collection of it. And it's what I've been interested in. So obviously I've sopped a lot of it up like a biscuit, as they say, um, by choice, for sure. Do you remember your first performance in drag? Oh, Christ. Um, Well, performance, like performance, performance would probably be I did Rocky Horror in like 2012, I believe. And that was fun. That was for the theater. So it was practiced and it wasn't like nerve wracking or anything. Um, I had done some like in my apartment drag before then, for sure. Like starting in like 2010, probably. What with the major drag influences and pop at the time and all those things. But I think it was like 2013 where I actually did a drag performance 12 or 13 at the gay 90s, I think, in 
Minneapolis. Yeah, I think it was at the Gay 90s Amateur Night, and I didn't know how to glue my eyebrows down. I still don't, so I shaved them off. <laughs> but I remember I was late. I'm still late for everything because I was trying to be real together, but my nerves had like held me back. There was definitely just like a little microcosm of <laughs> of things to come. But it was a good experience, and overall, I had like friends there, and I had fun. And it felt definitely felt powerful and interested, and it was a, yeah, it was definitely a little bit of a confidence booster. And then I went, I think it was 2013. There was a contest at the Saloon, which is another bar in Minneapolis, and it was a, it was a Halloween contest, and I went as Wednesday Adams, and that was fun times, and I won the Halloween contest. So I think that was like a definite like little switch point because the audition was 2014, just the spring after that. Halloween costume contest situation. There was a lot of in-between drag work in my apartment and little things, the evolution, the encouragement. The evolution of Max. Let me ask you, what is the scene like in Minneapolis? Like if you were to go to a drag show, what can you expect in Minneapolis? So there are some amazing performers in Minneapolis. It's definitely got, up until the last few years it had more of a classic vibe more of like a pageant and super kicking tassel showgirl vibe and there were i think mandela luzon actually got her started in minneapolis and so there was definitely more of like a classic drag vibe because that was a lot of drag up until the modernization and the fashionization of the drags that was a lot of it. And it's still, there's still a huge undercurrent of that in the Minneapolis drag scene today. And it's wonderful. There are some really kick-ass performers there. A few of the places, performance spaces, I think there got sort of affected by the pandemic and everything. So hopefully they can build some of those back up stronger. And it is, yeah, it's just annoying because there were places that people could do like they're put on their own nights and do their own fun things, basement spaces, live performance spaces. The things that we need to keep ourselves from being completely loco and disconnected from our artistic creative side. Uh, so hopefully some of that will come back. And I think a lot of the spirit of the people in Minneapolis is definitely an artistic and cultivating spirit. We have Prince Baby. <laughs> we have Prince Baby. Yeah, there's a Prince store at the airport now. I was going to buy a purple blanket before I got back out here. Match my purple attic light. But I sure didn't. Next time I'm in the area, I will. So I am ready for you to clear this air about a season of Drag Race that you were on. You were on season seven of RuPaul's Drag Race. I remember watching this, and I remember being the biggest Max fan. I remember thinking you had so much potential, so much talent. I was excited, and then I was like, what the fuck just happened? Did he just get robbed? So then, leading up to this interview, I was like, I'm going to rewatch season seven. And I had the same feelings. I was mad. What was your inspiration for auditioning for Drag Race? And was that your first time auditioning for season seven or had you done it before? So here is like a sort of a little interesting side story or like this is a little bit of the story is I'm in my drag the rise in my interest in drag and fashion and going down that avenue versus just doing like theatrical things, weaponizing the BFA that I don't have, uh, so to speak. Before or amid that, there was this fellow who reached out to me on Facebook 
and was like sort of like a Photoshop little wizardy, interested in costumery and Renaissance fairs and shit like that. A really cool guy. And we sort of like became friends and then a little bit more than friends through the drag evolution and became more powerful and more confident together about the whole situation. And we decided there was definitely a more of the decision was made on his part. And I was a little bit more like love struck following along with it, but definitely excited to be a part of it, but definitely not quite so sure of it that I was ready but it was like, we're going to audition for season seven. It's going to be something that happens. And I was like, holy shit, people, somebody's talking like this. Somebody feels like this. I should be able to feel like this too. It's the, all of this confidence in the things that I have here. So it was definitely an interesting situation, an entangled situation. Filled me up with the power that gave me the capability to create the audition tape, to create the image and to polish all of these things perfectly enough and present this package well enough to get onto the program. It was very interesting. It was sort of dreamlike the way that we just like put these pieces together, realized that we had to show them almost like a sample of their own show, of what I would be like on their show, but with the filter, with the lens of this gray lady and her coming through the screen and everything. So there was a ton of creative inspiration all at once and like passion and interesting weird miscommunication it's a very complicated it was a very complicated few years for sure and so when i got onto the show it was pretty nuts and we were riding high and i went to the show and okay so you said the person that you were with and that they kind of like inspired you to do that did they also audition for the show no, no, their interest was never in doing drag themselves. Their interest was in I don't know, creative direction, direction, producing, I think a little bit in performance aspect. I'm not sure. Definitely like some dressing up and some experimentation in that uh, realm themselves, but it was never for them to do. It was always just like, you're going to be. And I was like, yes, this is going to happen. And I was working at like Mac at the time. They were working at like an estate for an estate sale company or something with experience in Photoshop and like some film editing and decent equipment, decent monitors and stuff from being able to save up because they were living at their parents' house. It's just, uh, <laughs> it was an interesting situation. It all really fell together. And I hadn't been doing drag that long. I did not feel experienced in doing drag, but I was so so enthusiastic about it happening and the world was bumping and born this way. We went to the born this way ball together. and It was all very that energy and season six had come out and that was a fucking rambunctious, amazing, motivating piece of work right there. So it was like, okay, we're going to do this. This is going to be cool. And, and I was like, I feel cool and drag and winning costume contests, but I lacked actual experience deep experience of getting ready in dressing rooms of having evolved naturally as a drag performer. Uh, and that was huge. That is huge, a huge component in doing the show, making sure you're ready to do the show. No matter what you tell yourself of how, or how many, I don't know, how polished you think your tumbler is, you have to have some gritty performance experience. And that's me telling myself that in 2015. Like, wait till season eight. Even An eight even looks like an hourglass pitch. Like, why did you rush it? But it's okay. It's really fine. So you get on, you walk through this door, 
you end up being with another one of your sisters, Miss Trixie Mattel. You went to school with Trixie, is that true? Yes, so, so that was fun times. That was, I went to, I was at UW-Milwaukee and I got down there. I was only there for a year because I, for a lot of reasons, but the main reason was that the program had shifted. They didn't, they didn't have a musical theater program anymore the year that I got there. But the year, the years before, Trixie had been in the program there that was like this good, solid, well-assembled uh, group of professors who actually gave a shit about a musical theater as a whole, BFA or BA. And then when I got there, it was just like departments of opera and things that you had to shift, shift in between and get like comparable skills. But uh, when I was there for the year that I was there, Trixie and I had a ballet class together. I think that was the first time I met her. She had definitely done like some theater and some Rocky horrors around the city. And I was at a point where I was like penciling my eyebrows on every day. I wore a full face of makeup to ballet class every day. I was very, for a while I was Adam Lambert and then I was bleach blonde. It was 2010. It was a lot. Uh, so that's how we, I think how we bonded, how she like, felt like she could talk to me in the first place because it was like, oh, there's there's a lady over there. There's one of my sisters over there with her cover girl eyebrows. I went through so many eyebrow pencils in 2010, but we were in ballet class together. <laughs> and I was always late for ballet class because I had to put my full face of makeup on every day. And she was like a really cute, brown eyes, little mop of hair, always clever little quips. Lots of friends. She was real cute. So you walked in and then you had known her before that. You see the cast. You see what it is. I do want to ask you because I had read that you kind of took down your persona a little bit. Like took it down a few notches for television because what I read was basically saying that you were more of a fetishy and leather type queen. But allegedly... You wanted to be cleaner on the show because your parents and your brother are watching. Is that true? Well, I definitely, I don't know. I definitely wanted to exhibit. It's true that I was conscious of the fact that my family would be watching, extended family, and all would be watching. But I, I no, I wasn't really a, a fetishy queen, so to speak, before. I've never been as self-restricting or, <laughs> honestly, as had that the higher pain tolerance or anything as dedicated as Violet or someone like that. I, I definitely appreciate a lot of the sexy, slick, tight, zipped up, laced up business, but I don't, I don't know. I don't think I've ever been hardcore, like raunchy, sexual or anything like that. And I think I did want to shift, avoid being, anything being about that when I was there for sure because it was it definitely like becomes an eye roll after another to me at least I understand that fully and you know I think that it's you're putting off an image on television no matter what and if you keep the extremely sexualized image or you're trying to go after that then that can look a certain way and be taken a certain way and you know, as we know with edits, Max may not always paint you in the best light No, and yeah, like you I, I definitely talked in a lot of, like, I talked my way through little loopholes and things. I remember when talking to, like, the interviewers and 
or being asked questions, etc., and being prodded to say different things. It's <laughs> I wanted to be careful, and I think they knew that I wanted to be careful, so they got me like somewhere really weird with the edit, but they got me nonetheless. They got me, girl. So one of the fan questions that we had for you was, I want to know all the tea about the fact that she, in the end, didn't get a role in episode of Two Broke Girls, which was a prize for winning the challenges. Oh, yeah. Well, I think maybe there, I saw an episode with Chad Michaels on it, and I think maybe they went with, like, that was the episode that I would have been on. But when I was there, they said that my, because Kat Dennings was the guest judge, and they were, I mean, she said, and obviously they change things and edit things and I, I wasn't told to expect it to be changed, but I should have known not to expect it not not to be. But the prize there was going to be a walk-on role on Two Broke Girls. So I was like, tight, extra little experience. But if it was supposed to be like a shared impersonator and went to Chad Michaels and that makes sense for sure. Because I think that might have been the episode that it was going to be, but I didn't care. Would have been fun. Would have been cool. Extra. And I like that cat innings. She's fun. She's bouncing. <laughs> well, you end up killing, you know, the competition. You're starting to really showcase what you have. You win your first challenge, and it's the group challenge. You get that prize. You have that moment. When you started seeing those wins, were you thinking, you know what? I'm going to make it to the final four. Did you think that in your head? I did a little bit, but I also did feel like it was sort of a dream or a fluke because there were things throughout where like I couldn't get ready in time or I had been the first day, I think I slept past my alarm and I couldn't get ready fast enough. And I was like, oh, this is just like how it is because I've always had a little bit of a problem being late for things like ballet class, painting my makeup due to whatever anxieties. So I was like, okay, I'm actually getting through this. This is really cool. And I was feeling, I was feeling pretty gleeful about how it was happening because I wasn't feeling as experienced or as polished as good at painting as some of the other girls were prepared. But I was definitely like, okay, I can get through this with character and hopefully good performances. But the improv, man, she got me, <laughs> got me good. Um, and that was where I think some more like club performance and live experience and things would have come in handy for sure. I think there and like actually like painting and getting ready in the span of less time than usual would have been helpful before I went on. But otherwise I feel like I was feeling pretty painful. I was writing little things about what I was going to say during the finale. As you should have in you're talking about like right now, like you said, like improv and those challenges and stuff that you weren't, you know, feeling the greatest off of. But the one challenge that you did extremely well with, too, was the Despy Awards with Pearl. And this was the moment that you're on the couch <laughs> with Pearl. Oh, gosh. And I forget about all these little things. And it's, it is like a dream. Jeez. It, it was intense. It was really intense <laughs> because there was the confrontational aspect, which you do not often get in Drag Race. A lot of the time, it's people just being like, okay, yes, and accepting the criticism, accepting the energy and, like, proving it in a challenge or whatever, but not necessarily being, like, right up to RuPaul's face. So it's definitely, I think, right there got <laughs> the, the balls, the charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent right there got pearls to the top three, among other things. But that was, 
That was fucking nuts. And that when Rue was asking the question, Rue was like, now, Pearl, Max has a big personality, but you don't have very much personality at all, or whatever she said. And it was just like very clearly like a provocation. And <laughs> I think I either like tried to say something like, well, I don't think that's true. Or like, I think that because it was very, they had been the narrative up until then was that they weren't getting enough from Pearl. And in reality, Pearl was giving them a lot, probably as much as me, if not more. And she's got very authentic to herself everything so it's it was, it was curious for me to hear that so it's obviously a provocation so yeah i was like that's not the case at all and then pearl took it into her own hands something tenfold and and was like jam something on my face or and that's what she said right and then rue they had like a little stare off for a while and then rue said some others i don't know there's i think there was some other stuff said that wasn't on camera and then Pearl was gone. Pearl was out of there for a while because she was so pissed about the whole situation. She was off. I remember sitting on the couch by myself for a while because Pearl was just like furious about having been put through that nonsense because it was pretty much nonsense. It was like, in hindsight, when you're not in the moment, it's like, okay, they were poking and pushing buttons. But in the moment, it was like, this is some like hardcore disrespect because <laughs> Pearl has exhibited a lot of cool things so far. And just because there are so many of us that you're not seeing them, it's just interesting. Let me elaborate off of that because I had talked to Pearl a couple of years ago and went over to her place, the literally the coolest, chillest person in the world. And, you know, she made the whole comment that went viral about like, you know, nothing matters unless the camera's rolling. Did you experience any of that stuff when you were on the show? Yeah, nothing matters unless it's on camera. Uh, for sure, for sure. And also just like don't talk about things. There was a lot of save it for the camera. So it does get super frustrating that you can't just have like an authentic experience. It's definitely different for a lot of people than they expect it to be, especially people with like softer souls. Violet kicked ass because she was just like, I fucking know I'm here for business and not pleasure, but also I might get some pleasure out of it because I like pain. So she was definitely, there were people who were better suited for the hard ice and then people who just like to chat and goof off and have a fun time. But we still got some funny things in backstage, things that aren't on camera and things. There was one thing, was Jasmine kept singing, I believe the children are a future at the top of the things that cracked me up. And they didn't <laughs> put that up. So there are good little moments, but that wasn't like any scandalous information or anything. That was just some fun. But yeah, she, Pearl got rubbed the wrong way by that shit, man. And I don't blame her because I had that weird ass thing about sitting on the edge of the stage happen to me and that was not. We're about to get into that. We're about to get into it. We're going to get all into it in a second. I do want to know, though, there was a rumor that I saw that you, is it true that you slipped a paper under Pearl's hotel room door that had some jokes and stuff on it for the Despy challenge? That, okay, so that is true unless I fucking dreamt it. But I really, because that whole experience was a blur, but I remember sitting down at the desk in my hotel room and just like finishing, polishing up stuff that we had talked about before, earlier, before she had taken her leave of absence off of the couch. So there was not as much time to polished and get our shit together as we would have liked or make it cohesive. So I remember just like polishing it up, making it cohesive at this little hotel room desk. 
and then sneaking out down the hallway and putting it under her door. And then we went over it the next morning, but I swear to myself that that's what happened. So I don't know. It's what I have. It's my account of it, but also it's a very vague memory. She wrote, a, she wrote some funny shit though. I remember we put some funny shit together before. I don't, I don't take credit for fully writing it, but I do take, take credit for polishing it up. It came out so good though. And like just being able to see her, you know, like redeem herself and then you be able to show some comedy in there and you guys worked really well off each other. So that win was very deserving. Another thing that always happened with you was that, did you know you had gray hair? I thought it was, I was aware that I had silver hair, perhaps a, a, a platinum. No, yeah, I, I got the grays. She's the gray, the mean gray lady. There was a, there was a lady, there was a lady at this community theater that I did plays at growing up and she was like a supervisor. We all called her the mean gray lady and she like told us to get down out of trees and like not walk on railings and shit, which she wasn't mean. She was just looking out for us, but we called her the mean gray lady. And now I am the mean gray lady. I have become her. But the gray hair was his signature max. Like that's how I, I, like everybody knows like a big part of you and that's very distinguishable. Michelle hated it. However, Michelle's now has a big gray streak in her hair in every fucking RuPaul's Drag Race show now. Yeah. And I mean, if she would let her roots grow out, she'd have a big head full of gray hair, not just the streak, but she is keeping it, she's keeping it clear all for a little bit longer. Well, Michelle, no, I, for one thing, it was always really beautiful to me in like editorials when Kristen McMenemy had gray hair and like, uh, walking the runway and when women of a younger age or visually young, a younger age have prematurely gray hair or even older ladies. I mean, like it's a universal thing. People are all going to end up that way. So that is a huge part of it for me. If you're lucky enough, you'll end up with gray hair and you'll get to a point. But also it's very, it's very trapped in the silver screen. It's very like if, if somebody came through the projection image and left a little bit of silver streaked through their hair via some sort of magic. That's a little bit what it's like for me too. It's like a living black and white photo. It always looked good on you though. Like gray looks great on you. I don't know. Like it complements your skin tone. It complements the makeup. Everything always went together. You even had freaking Ariana Grande be like, I'd wear gray and a ponytail. And then literally like a few months later, she goes gray. It's a very intriguing poem for people. It's spooky, it's ghosty, it's witchy, it's powerful, it's storm from X-Men. It's a lot of, and again, we're all going to end up that way, uh, hopefully. Uh, I wish I was prematurely gray right this minute. I think I do have a couple of them in the top of my scalp, but it might just be like blonde. But yeah, Ariana. Ariana, Ariani. Is it giving Arianka? I'm sure it had nothing actually to do with me, but I would like to think it did. And then, like, Kylie. I think it did. Gray, and there's a bunch of gray hair dyes in drugstores now. People just like the metallic tones. Uh, but it is definitely, like, a, a wise, witchy business to be gray. <laughs> 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 
Reviews. They are everything, whether it be a podcast review, food review, any time that you can read what another person's experience is, you kind of feel like, hey, you know what? Like, I understand where you're coming from. It can help you make some of the biggest decisions that you have to make in your life. And when it comes to finding healthcare, ratings matter even more. And that's where ZocDoc comes in. ZocDoc is an app where you can compare doctors by their ratings and read reviews from real patients. So you can find and book highly rated local doctors. It has been so eye-opening just to be able to see where I'm going to go before I actually go there because I normally have always dreaded going to the doctor before I ended up using ZocDoc. So just download the free ZocDoc app, the easiest way to find a great doctor and instantly book an appointment. With ZocDoc, you can search for local doctors who take your insurance, read verified patient reviews, and book an appointment in person or by video chat. You never have to wait on hold with a receptionist again because nobody likes the hold music. Whether you need a primary care physician, dentist, dermatologist, psychiatrist, eye doctor, or other specialist, ZocDoc has you covered. Go to ZocDoc.com exposed and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc and I'm one of them. It's my go-to whenever I need to see a doctor. So now is your time to prioritize your health. Go to ZocDoc.com exposed. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C.com exposed and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top-rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. That's zocdoc.com slash exposed. ZocDoc makes healthcare easy. What was going through your head in the moment? You look great. You look wonderful. I know that from speaking to other girls, they always talk about how the snatch game lasts 500 hours and that you're tired and ready, and there's no laugh track or anything, so you don't know what's funny. So what was that experience like? Well, pretty much like the whole damn production crew, I feel like, was watching it. But they weren't responsive because they had to be quiet for the cameras and everything, so it was just like Rue's reaction. From what I remember, again, blurs and intervening years, but... It was a big shadowy bunch of people behind the camera and then Rue and then who was it? Tamar Braxton and a guy from Ugly Betty who were sitting watching us. And I was in the top corner spot and I was like, fuck. Because <laughs> that is definitely a make or break spot. And I don't think I was like, fuck initially. I think initially when I first got out there, I was like, okay, I'm not going to do this because I felt like I looked all right. I got my eyebrows glued down adequately. What little eyebrows I had. So I was feeling good up until I was like not able to think of something funny that equated to her character in the right amount of time, which I think happened right away. I don't remember what my questions or answers were off the top of my head, but I think I just start, I started by tripping and I just kept tripping, like stumbling over myself the whole run of the thing. I think, I think it was a big blackout bunch of oops from what I really remember. Do you think that you were the worst out of the group? I do, because... Really? I don't know. Maybe it's that I felt worst in the moment. I just felt like I was like, fuck, 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 fuck in the moment. And I didn't especially feel like anybody else was really bombing that hard. Like, Jaden definitely didn't read as Raven's Simone especially, but she still was, like, she seemed more confident in the situation than I was. So I didn't 
read anybody else as doing poorly as me. You get on the runway, you walk out in your corset, you end up getting your critiques. And I want you to explain this whole moment. Just explain it all. You get your critiques, you have this corset on, and just go with it. I think I was like fifth or sixth down the line um, in the line of critiques. And so it happens pretty slowly. You're wearing your shoes. It's not as bad if you are feeling a good and hopeful energy. It's not as bad at all, but I was feeling some sort of smashdown defeated that day. So it was also just like, I pretty much knew what was coming and I was just, uh, had been standing there waiting for it. The fact that it was all rough, it was like a bad dream for sure. So my head was spinning. I needed some sort of breath. I needed some sort of drink of water. And my corset was fairly tight for me, at least, if not for some of the competition. So I think maybe there was some weird hip boning or some shit, but I was just really feeling like I have to take a second and I have to sit down and I'm going to pass out. And maybe it would have been better if I had passed out and more sympathetic or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> but, and also, I don't know if I would have for sure passed out because there are a lot of things happening in my head at once. So I got the opportunity to actually, so I think they had told us to, like, if you're ever feeling unsafe or whatever, let the production people know, let this certain producer or director, whatever this man was, know that you need a moment, you need to take a drink of water, do something to prevent catastrophe. So I got a water bottle and I was sitting on the edge of the stage for a minute, unstrapped my corset and up on the judges panel. I mean, obviously I'm interrupting production. So I feel it in retrospect that it was inconvenient for production, all these people getting paid, etc. But they definitely took advantage of the moment as I took advantage of the moment. And they used my sitting down for a little bit of production. Rue asked me to sing, I think she asked me to sing Somewhere Over the Rainbow. I don't know, on that little Twitter thing, it says she asked me to sing a few bars of Swanee, but I think she said Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Because I was like, no, I'm going to sing the thing she sings in A Star is Born instead when she's sitting on the edge of the stage, because that would be more correct, because I'm an avid Judy Garland fan. So I was saying, so I can't quite be called overnight sensation. So I sang like one line of that, and they put it, I guess they put it in as me just like, singing to sing, even though I couldn't breathe a moment earlier, so I wouldn't have decided of my own volition to sing. And then also they had like some little moments with Ginger being like rolling her eyes at me or something, a little talking head about how I had just decided to start singing or some shit. But it was interesting to see that they had chosen to put it in at all. And I wondered what their angle was for sure. I think it was just like to add a little bit of maybe dislikability, but there's nothing particularly dislikable about it besides that it's just like, it could be like some sort of last grab, but if I was doing a last grab, it would have been harder than that. I would have been grabbing harder than that. I was just trying to think about the lyrics. I did not know the words to No More Lies, bitch. That's all I was thinking about and how tight the boning was. I was not thinking about singing. Did Rue ask you because he wanted you to like chill from the anxiety or what do you think he asked you to sing for? I don't know. It might have been like a fun little, just a fun little thing that he just thought about the top of his head. Maybe he was referencing A Star Is Born or some sort of like where Judy Garland goes and sits down on the edge of the stage on her CBS show or something like that. 
he could have been making a little reference or he could have had it fed through his earpiece for some sort of reason, but it would have been just like, a, I don't know. He didn't ask me to like fake a fit or anything. He asked me to sing something. So it wasn't, I don't know. It's just all around odd. Could have been good intentions turned into bad intentions. I super don't know what it was a weird energy. And then obviously you can see I'm like shell shocked and I put this red contacts on. That's right. I had contacts into. I have this red contacts on and I'm just shell shocked by the whole thing. Very surreal. And then we came back for another episode. And that was something. Yeah, because you came back for um, the comeback episode, right? Yeah, we did little twins things. Trixie and Pearl did that funny ass headgear prom twin situation. So that was perfect. And there's always like, if you can get an element of comedy and storyline, then it's a killer. So we had a cute corset that was very American Horror Story freak show, but it was not killer. Like those girls from Chicago, Trixie and Pearl, they're always out to slay. <laughs> they have to be hard. From, they are from Chicago, and they're not lying about it either. Even though Pearl said she was from New York. Yeah, Pearl did say she was from New York. Yeah. Do you still talk to any of the girls from season seven? From time to time, yeah. Little reach outs, little hellos, little good to see you existing, creating for sure. And then every so often, I like seeing them intermittently out here in little performances. Not for the last couple of years, actually, because I haven't really done much in the way of performing, but it's good to see. I think Tempest maybe was the last one that I saw in person in 2019 or something. And that was a fun little time. I went to see her in Arizona, booped down there, and she did some Dolly Parton. That's what I remember. She's very kind and very present on the internet. Up in them stock photos, stock drag queen Tempest photos. She a legend. We have a few more questions on Drag Race, and then we're going to get to what, what happened after. So I would love to know... What was the best and the worst thing to come after your time on Drag Race? The worst thing was probably just the realization that I wasn't as ready as I thought I was. And also the realization that I had a lot more anxiety to deal with and fight with uh, and fear to fight past than I hope or hoped had present or previously hoped. Because a lot of people are just built to fight and climb and slay and I have charisma and uniqueness and talent, but not nerve. I don't think, or I didn't have nerve. So I just got cut, LOL. Um, But it's been a lot of really cool traveling and a lot of really cool meeting of other people, other souls. It's been dreamlike in that regard. I've gotten, for as much turmoil and darkness and confusion as it did bring me initially in terms of the realization that maybe I wasn't exactly built for it as well as others. For as much devastation that that brought, it has brought much more fortune and positive experience and electric connection for me between places on this planet. It's been really cool. So I'm grateful. I'm mystified by a lot of the parts of it and miffed for sure by a few things that happened and people that came in and out of my life and things like that. But I'm overall very grateful that it has happened. Yeah. And I think that that's like the really cool thing too, is that once you get off the show, your career kind of starts to thrive and do things that it didn't do before the show. When I have everybody who comes on, I have them basically since my show is called Exposed, I have them expose something that 
happened behind the scenes that didn't make it to camera, whether it be something funny or crazy. I've had people talk about like workroom fires and like production shutdowns and stuff. Was there anything that didn't make it to camera that you want to spill? Well, when we were brought back for the episode where we did the twins things, Trixie was back. We were all back in like the green room. So this is not, yeah, I don't know. It's sort of scandalous in the green room. And I had mentioned something. I think I mentioned something. We were all on microphones and I had mentioned something about Snatch Game very briefly. And Mandy, one of the producers, like came into the room five minutes or two minutes or three minutes later or something like that and pulled me out and down and into a dressing room and like gave me a very stern talking to about how I was not supposed to mention production details from previous episodes with people. I should have realized it because she was out for that episode, but she was still in the production that I got a very stern talking to. And that happened. Uh, and then something else that will always stay with me is that Miss Fame was talking about how her and her sister <laughs> would fart in their hands and blow it at people and call it buttercups. That has mentally scarred me for life. And that's part of the whole, these girls are so vulgar thing, is that these people would say, and I know, there's plenty of nasty ass shit that, like my funny shit from my childhood and stuff. But I was like, you guys, gross at the time. There's a ton of little, little funny details and really nice like production assistant moments and nice moments in interviews with the people who were chatting with us in the little talking head segments, but nothing particularly scandalous. Nobody like snuck out or anything. I don't think anybody had any fights, nothing crazy. You guys were a pretty put together season. Yeah, we didn't have a lot of fights, did we, or anything. There wasn't a lot of, there were some little side-eye moments about different ages and things, but there wasn't a lot of... There were weird energies, for sure. Uh, but I think it was mostly just, like, people... The ones that I felt were probably a little bit of a projection because I was like, well, people know that I am not really supposed to be here because I'm so young and so fresh and so and so inexperienced with this shit. So I think maybe a little bit was me projecting the weird energies, but I was like, yeah, there weren't a ton of bad vibes or fights or moments like that interesting though because well, your that. season your season a lot of fans have always said it was a very boring and the worst season but i always don't think that because the thing is that your season you had so many good girls though you have jasmine masters you had kennedy davenport you had you you had trixie you had katia you had pearl you had ginger you had violet like Tempest du jour, like the list goes on and on. Like it was a really strong cast when you think about longevity of career afterwards, Drag Race. Like everybody's done extremely well for themselves. There have been some fucking slingshot careers up in this season for sure. It's been insane to watch. And I think the season, maybe it's it's not the cast, but like some of the challenges, possibly. In the season that rub people or that seemed bland to people seemed bland to me a little bit, especially after season six. It seemed a little lackluster. And the production, the promo was definitely just like us against a white wall, which is definitely cool in some regards and spaces. But again, after season six, people were just like, oh, okay. Obviously, I think a lot of the people on season seven have worked up and against the whole. <laughs> The whole season seven is the worst season. Pretty They've worked against it pretty well, pretty hard. We got cosmetics queens, and we got burlesque queens, and we got 
editorial fashion. And we got whatever Katya is. She's all of that stuff, I suppose. <laughs> That's just all so left field. This is all me being on the show and like these people being fucking huge. It's all so crazy. Yeah. You get off the show, you end up, you know, you're doing gigs, you're traveling, you're doing what you do when you get off this show. Um, you did a little dibbling and dabbling in music and singing, and a lot of fans want to know, too, are you ever going to get back into the music world because they love your voice? I think it would be really cool to be able to make music that was original, for sure. I think I would love to, and also just to perform in theater and do some like covers live at performances or, or original music live at performances, but I have to actually be able to <laughs> fabricate those things. I have to have either the capability to do it myself or collaborators. And I definitely need to be able to invest in it a little bit to be satisfied with it. So I've done covers up until now and there might be more of that and there might be some actually, it would be wonderful to be able to create like a modern disco album or some shit like that. It would be very cool. Something dark and and, and smoky, but still disco and power, marching and powerful. At least one song. So I have to like, I don't know what comes first. I think probably writing lyrics. I come up with plenty of little rhymes all the damn day long. So I just think I need to put pen to paper in that regard. But yes, there will be music in my life and in everyone else's life in the years to come because that's a very powerful thing. Music changes my whole mood sometimes, but for now I only have like a SoundCloud. The year ends up being 2018. You post a picture of you in drag as a throwback on Instagram, and that was the last time that the world saw social media drag queen Max. So I would like to know, like, did you stop drag? Are you done with drag? Are you wanting to come back to it? Was there a hiatus? What was the reasoning behind everything? Drag slash the female projection persona is definitely something that will never be gone from my heart or desires. It's something that I'm going to do again soon. I would like to do for like, the I would like to have done already this year, but a lot of things have been happening and the time ends up getting past me and things, I wait for things to line up to be perfect, to put these little ideas together. And then I wait longer than I should and the, and the windows come by. But there have been plenty of attempts, plenty of moments of great inspiration in the past few years in terms of getting back into it, getting it back together. I'm supposed to be performing places, I think, in the next couple of months possibly so that would be something that would force me into it for sure to have a gig but it definitely has been like a self-confidence thing slash the state of my positivity in the world we are encountering it's been a few things that have kept me back from full-on doing it in the past couple of years but i have yeah there are images on my phone and things of half drags that i've gotten up into and ideas in my brain that I have yet to entirely produce. But I find that I have the power to, and I have friends around me now uh, living out here, out east with me, who can help me with some of these visions. So, yes, 
she'll be back and she's never really left, but she has definitely been in some sort of liminal space. Would you say that it was anxiety driven or like mental health wise, or would you say it was just like you were just done in the moment? Well, no, I think I don't think I've ever felt like I don't want to create anymore. Like I'm, I'm sick of drag or I'm done with drag. I felt uncomfortable. I felt nervous. I felt fearful. I felt a little frustrated at times, but I've never felt done, which is lucky that I still have some optimism, a good, a good chunk of optimism in my brain, in my creative space. But yeah, it's been, it's been a discovery that's been like hard, hard work battling myself for sure. Papa 911, biggest enemy is me, all that. I think that that is, as we get older, like I just turned 30 and I think that the thing about that is like, I finally in the past like two years have finally started to understand myself. I didn't know what anxiety was. I knew the feeling of anxiety. I didn't know what depression was. I knew the feeling of depression. So when people would be like, oh, you know, like I have like really bad anxiety or I'm struggling with depression. I always viewed it as like this thing that you would know in your head, like you would know it. And I, you know, ended up seeing a psychiatrist a while back and I was diagnosed with like autism, like I'm on the spectrum. But the thing that's interesting about all of that is like, I never could label these things. So like, I feel in myself that there's probably a lot of people that can't label their anxiety or their depression or what's going on. And they may just think it's normal. And when you really just get in tune with yourself, that's really what needs to happen. Like you need to figure it out. Yeah, it's a wave that each of us personally rides. Uh, some people have smoother seas and some people are <laughs> always freaked out, always anxious, wake up late, do things late, postpone things because of what they perceive to be their character flaws or personality flaws. Um, for a long time, and I did in my early 20s especially, and when I was on the show, like I would, I would, I would feel these things and just be frustrated with them instead of being accepting with them, working through them, because they were things that, yeah, they were inconveniences, and it was like shame on me for having to deal with these things. But instead, I just need to needed to recognize to work around, work ahead, the wave, work ahead of the wave, stay on top of the wave. Because you can't stop it from coming a lot of the time, yeah. What do you do to help with your anxiety? Is there like, do you do yoga? Do you like meditate? Do you need that stuff? Or are you just more of like, deal with it? Uh, I think I, I need to be productive for sure. I need to leave things a little bit better than I found them. Uh, I like to go to the ocean. I like to go on hikes, bike rides. They have some really nice old, old cemeteries out here that are good because all of the dead people, they've been through it. They know what they know what all of the scenarios are in life. They've been through it and they're done and they're trauma free. There are a lot of I think yeah, being actually being productive, being creative, but not having scary high freaky expectations of yourself one way or another. Making lists, reasonable lists for the day, stay on a decent schedule. There are yeah, there are a few things to keep productivity and optimism healthy for sure that I have to do consciously increasingly as I'm older and I lose all my serotonin you know not like I had any that too much to begin with I've been in my hundreds for 
some years now. You go back to the cemetery so you can get your rejuvenation. Like, you know, you go there and you get the dad, you get all your, your spirits inside of you and you pop right back out. And deeply inhale. <sighs> yeah, and my hair, like, the grave stands back out from my roots because, like, I need a little <laughs> bit of that energy of the dead. Just, like, sort of oxymoronic <laughs> because the dead are devoid of energy. But they do have this magic, some mysticism. Are you going to do anything for Halloween? i got to dress up. I gotta do like a picture, a photograph, something. I haven't done a Halloween costume or look. I don't think I've really done anything since Drag Race. I haven't. Some of these girls have gone with full out themed looks, full on body glitter, but I haven't ever really done anything particularly Halloween y. So I might do a little something. And then your socials would blow up and everybody would be so happy. And these 3,000 people that like the post are gonna be going. Insane. I think that tells a lot about you as a person and an individual, though. Like, I think if you, you know, you, you're talking about anxiety and stuff and, like, how that kind of, like, pushes you away from doing this creative aspect sometimes. But I think your fans are extremely, extremely supportive of you. And your fans also are, like, they're ready for you. They love you. They support you. And that is very hard to see in drag queens. So, for you to inspire or to give people something to look forward to or they're hoping that you come back says a lot about the talent that you have. It is very, thank you. <laughs> thank you. It's very cool to hear. It's been, it's something that you definitely have to learn. It's something that I did not feel authentically until, until more recently. It's something that I didn't feel authentically when I was on the show. And I would say these things, I would, I would hope that I had this energy, but I didn't know it. And I would hope that I was like a good heart, a good person, but I wasn't sure of it. And, and after the show, I was worried that I would be, I would come off as too babyish, too vulnerable. So I often didn't like speak at all. I think there was then, but there's a much larger openness, awareness with the struggles that people are going through, the worries that people are going through. So people see a lot of themselves in me and how I can't function sometimes or a lot of the time because of my anxieties, because of my fears. And so having the encouragement from people like that who are just like pieces of my soul, share pieces of my soul is huge. And it's definitely one of the reasons that I'm still feeling the desire to create and still having ideas, concepts, things pop up in my brain because there are these encouraging, soft energies out there. And I think the good people outnumber the bad. And I think too, it's kind of like what you said earlier when you were first talking about how, you know, just showing a part of yourself like to the world, it doesn't matter, or like talking about a cause or whatever, it's still putting you out there. And like, you know, you talking about anxiety right now on this podcast could help multiple people that you never knew you speaking and saying one little word could do. Yeah. And I have to definitely put some of my anxieties also are channeled into a perfectionism or an editorial nature where I don't or can't create these things up to a certain standard or I can't create certain images. So I don't post it all. And I don't feel like I should create it all. Um, when in reality there are, people all over who need 
or could use an extra connection of the extra connection of me putting something, or I could use the connection that I don't even know that I'm getting from somebody who could see something. Or I, I, There's a lot of missed opportunity, missed energy and not saying or doing anything at all for damn sure. And that's something that with these very, very trying years, that's something that has just practically whipped itself up into a hurricane inside my brain. So it's going to blow. It's about to blow, baby. It's, <laughs> it's going to blow. The last time that you technically posted like anything on socials was quite some time ago. What have you been doing since then? Like, How have you been as a human being and a person? Well, 2019, I sort of petered out from the drag stuff a little bit. And I visited my family a lot because I live in the Minneapolis area. So I just spent a lot of low-key time. But then 2020, I just spent a ton of time with family because of all of the shit that was happening. Largely, there was a lot of head down family time, mountain biking with my little brother and lots of stuff in rural Wisconsin, Minnesota. We went on a little trip out east, went to D.C. in August, and then visited this area again. This is the Portsmouth-Kittery area of the Upper East Coast on the Atlantic Ocean, where I was born. And so now, 2021, spring of this year, I moved out here into a house that I am working on fixing up. And I've got some roommates now. They just moved in. And they're three little queers, 20-year-old souls and me up in this witch house. Uh, it's a big, white, largest white house. And so we're feeling very practical magic. We're going to have the same powerful energy as those ladies um, and really good things are going to come from this move. Uh, it's been an interesting year because I've never worked on a house before or dealt with all of the things that come in an 1800s fixer-upper. But it's been very, very gratifying uh, as long as the outside world can keep its shit together a little more and we can all try a little harder to get along. I think things will be on the up and up for me, at least creatively and soul spiritual as well i really do hope that that does happen for you because when you are creative i think that your mind is like a master mind i think you are a very creative person i think you have so much talent and so much going for you that like i i like when i was watching back this season seven and i know that it wasn't always the best circumstances but your energy and the talent that you had, just like you you radiate when you come into a room. You, you're talking about perfection. Yes, a lot of it, you know, you have to try to get to that perfection, but there was a lot of perfection on your season of Drag Race from you. And, you know, you do achieve those moments and you do have those moments. And, you know, you may just need to be kicked out the window and, and pushed a little bit, Max, but, but I think you got it. People need to be, and people go through it at various times in their lives. People need to be far outside of their comfort zone. People need to be shaken around in whatever, not always, but oftentimes people need to be placed outside of their comfort zone and, and left to fight fight their way into either back into their comfort zone or just make the new zone their comfort zone, win the day, win the area. So I think that my moments of quote-unquote perfection have been in the moments where I'm most self-accepting, where I'm just confident in what I'm delivering, even if it's not exactly put together as well as I would intend it to. I think 
I'm learning a lot about just letting be so with myself. And yeah, the fact that I am capable. And thank you for saying all that nice stuff about me lighting up a room and stuff. <laughs> of course, you you do light up a room. I mean, it's it's so true though. Like the persona and everything, like in you as an individual, you also have a great singing voice. You know, you are a great performer. I mean, Drunk in Love, you know, I saw that on YouTube and you killed Drunk in Love by Beyonce. Like you have it, like you, you do, you do, you do really good, Max. Don't know if you know that. Thank you. And I think I could do even better if I actually got out and practiced and worked a little harder. So I think, because there are a shit ton of people who are out there performing pretty well. So I do get like, and I get insecure about that and I worry about why I should if other people are and like I think there yeah there have been moments where other performers pop up and I'm like oh I should just be quiet now because but the amount of noise the amount of fight the amount of nerve that's needed out there is bigger than we can imagine so I'm coming baby coming baby what do you think the biggest misconception of you is that I'm boring that I'm a prude I mean I could be, but it's also opinion based. A lot of that stuff is opinion based, and like people have different interests, and they could find me boring. I'm an empath, so I just like find all of the what ifs and all of the different perspectives. So I can't like have no absolutes on that, like what people could. What do you want to accomplish? Like, let's say over the next year and a half, two years, what do you want to accomplish? I think it would be good to for me to actually accomplish some performances. Uh, there's a there's a repertory theater out here that I think I'm going to do some gigs at. It would be cool to go to some gigs in Boston, maybe up in Portland. Smaller things. It's fun, and I get up on the... I ride the wave if I have anxiety about trips and traveling, but it would be good to do some more local things. And I'm out in a new place now, so local feels of like a trip. Local feels like a foreign or a new place. So that'll be fun to be out here and to be building in that way. But then I'd also like to be obviously more present on social media, like to maybe write a song or two. I'd like to promote sustainability and drag as much as I like a a new plastic wig or a new pair of PVC pumps. There has to be some sort of limit to the resources we consume. Uh, There's a lot of things that I would like to do with drag and there's a lot of things that can be done with drag and the lines that no longer exist in the realm of gender and self-positivity and self-love. There's a lot of fighting that needs to be done. So there's, there are a few select little things that I would like to do, like putting out a couple images on social media in the months and maybe having some gigs for income, things like that, being able to say that I'm working professionally, but there's no, yeah, I have no, set plans besides that i kind of want to dress up like audrey from little shop of horrors for halloween oh my god that is my favorite musical i was in new york right before corona and i saw it off broadway with jonathan groff and i was like it's my favorite musical it is oh fun that's that's lucky no i've never seen it live i just uh it was 26 17, I think, that I was in the UK with Raja. And at some point, one of the people that we were with toured, one of the crew people was playing the movie and I had never actually seen it all the way through. But then I got really into it and listened to the soundtrack. And because it's Alan, it's Howard Ashman 
I think it's Howard Ashman and Alan Menken, both of them who ended up doing the Disney movies. And Howard Ashman, of course, was an HIV AIDS victim, alas, uh, but a super, super bright flame while he was alive, a very inspiring presence. That's another thing that's helped my energy is just like his, the idea of him as a person, what he created. So yeah, that musical was huge for me and I would like to be her sometime, wear that fun bob. Yes, the fun bob and then talking your little uh, pipsqueak voice, which is great too. And Audrey, yeah, I think they just did Audrey with MJ Rodriguez as Audrey, which is definitely, it adds another layer to her story to her abuse and everything it's and it's definitely something that i was before they did that even i was thinking about this character could be a a queer character could be a trans character could be trapped in this abusive relationship for a few reasons so i'm glad that they're doing that i'm glad they did that and i want to do i want to just yeah i want to do some drag again baby yes uh i'm so excited like i'm so like happy that we have had this conversation. Like, I absolutely am so glad that we did this and I got to, like, learn about you as a human being. I'm glad that you're glad because I get nervous about everything, clearly. So I talk about all of these nerves and this trepidation and I skitter around with my words. So I'm glad that you have had me and that we've been able to talk for so long in fairly cohesive spurts. For sure. And you good soul. You kind soul. Oh, thank you. My last question for you, Max, is what is a message or words of wisdom that you have for our big LGBTQIA plus community? We cannot give up. We can get tired. We can get frustrated. We can take breaks and rests. Diligent rests. But we cannot give up. Because there is the possibility, I mean, the past is set. The past, everything that we've done, everything that we've felt, all the things we've been through, that shit's set. But the future is so vast and full of possibility that there is, there might be one or two or three or four or a hundred reasons to give up. But there are infinitely more reasons to keep going because it's a big it's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow, says the Carousel of Progress from Disneyland. And I sort of feed into some of that. That was like my favorite ride as a child. Yeah. There's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow. Yeah, that's some classic shit. But you know what, Disney? It does not involve concentration camps. The great, big, beautiful tomorrow does not involve being complicit in China's genocide. So let's think about that, Disney, before we send mixed messages. Anyhow, we've got a lot to fight for. On that note, there's a great big beautiful tomorrow, but we have to fight for it. And I have to fight for it, and I have to be creative and plop a wig on again and put some... Because I put on lip liner, like, a month ago, and it was wonderful. (laughs) It felt wonderful. (laughs) She put on lip liner once a year. Absolutely love um, chatting with you, and this was a great time. Where can people find you on the socials? (laughs) Thank you for reaching out to me, and thank you for talking to me. And, uh, listening to me this whole time and everybody else. Thank you for lending in here. If you're listening all the way till now, I'm at max collective on Instagram. And I think I'm max collective on Facebook or the max collective on Facebook. And then just max collective on Twitter, max collective on Venmo. Uh, it's a variation of the words max collective or the max collective on most of my social media, I believe. 
until I tried it, until I changed it to Max Milanovi, which is just my actual real name. I'm not sure if I ever will or not. We'll see. Either way. Yes. So go follow Max. Go give him some love. Go like comment in the comment section on all of his things. Keep bugging him until he puts up a picture of himself in drag, you know? Like maybe, you know, the fans listening to this will be the push. They're going to be like, from the waist up. (laughs) Thank you again so much, Max. Of course, yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Exposed Dragged Out, brought to you by The Dip. I'm Joseph Shepard, your host. You can follow me on all things social at Joseph A. Shepard. That's S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D. You can also go to thedip.com slash RuPaul's Drag Race. The Dip with two P's dot com. That's the dip with two piece.com. Use promo code EXPOSE for 50% off your membership. And be sure to check out other podcasts from the dip, including Hot Off the Mess with Samantha Bush, the Daily Pop Culture Podcast, Pop Chaser, TV History Podcast, TV Watch Repeat, Real Housewives Podcast, The Slut Pick Podcast, and also I Am the Cute One, a Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen podcast. Until next time, I'm Joseph Shepard. Expose yourself. Ooh.